Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. Today we're going to be talking about cyberpunk. Take a look at the top five cyberpunk comics. But first, got to let you guys know that we have a Patreon uh, that is uh, doing very, very well for, for the channel. And you are invited to participate in that. Uh, if you're at the King Kayfabe level, you completely mitigate the Kayfabe effect because you're getting all of our videos uh, before anybody. Plus, uh, you're in the chat room right this moment watching us live stream the recording session. So uh, I benefited from the Kayfabe effect quite a lot uh, just from the stuff that we chose this past week and you will too if you are on the uh patreon before you is our bibliography of uh our comic books and these videos are brought to you by the comic books that we make red room is the focus uh to on uh, my plate these days new red room comics are being solicited at your comic shop crypto killers issue number one go to your store put in a pre-order jimmy has street angel deadliest girl alive hulk grand design is out in the wild and is going to get that treasury edition format very very soon plain james this is shoujo all ages girl manga uh without further ado jimmy let's talk cyberpunk comics and throughout this conversation uh i think uh we should have a talk about like well, like what what makes up a good cyberpunk comic because you think about say you know those like cyber force and the wildcats comics that that are full of tech and things it's not cyberpunk it's missing a lot of important elements and maybe we'll uh figure out the tropes of what it is to be a cyberpunk comic uh let's go with an obvious one and no particular order with these things man i i, I love them all jimmy yeah absolutely fun fun uh knowing this video is coming up this yeah. week and like kicking it around in my head of contenders for this. And I'm sure there'll be some fun discussion of like what we missed, because I'm sure there are a few other good contenders. Put stuff in the comments, baby. But then thinking about, like you say, what makes cyberpunk, and I think it's like future dystopia. It's where it's the nightmare side of technology and what it promises. Sure, but you need the urban setting, because if it, the punk implies punk rock, like it implies culture. So you need, you need to focus uh, on a mute, more human level, I think the urban setting is important because where do you have punks if not some sort of uh, cityscape? And uh, you got to zero in kind of on a on a human level more often than not. But I like to see cool tech. I like to see cool vehicles. And part of that human level is like the fashions of uh, the cyberpunk aesthetic. You know, there yes. are there are whole clothing lines that cater to a cyberpunk kind of aesthetic these days. That's a good detail. And I think Akira really has all those elements. If it didn't have the the kid gang and stuff, like it might not be, it might be hard sci-fi. It might just be a science fiction comic. See, that's the thing. There, there's like these very blurry lines between what is hard sci-fi, what is, what is just a dystopian comic. Like Clockwork Orange, not really cyberpunk, but maybe you can make the argument. I don't know. We're having that conversation today. Yeah, Akira definitely, I think, fits very squarely into the cyberpunk genre. Yeah. You know, I don't know that anybody's going to dispute that. Um, I was thinking about how just wires, sure. you know, having a bunch <laughs> of wires whenever there's a visual component. Um, but it is interesting how it almost becomes like this codified world yeah. almost. You know, you can imagine some of the, the examples that we're going to look at and how they overlap with each other, yeah. where it's like, it's almost a universe. And I think that that's an important component to it, man. Uh, because you're you're focusing on this human level, uh all good science fiction and certainly the best of cyberpunk has uh, has a world that's developing that you don't know much about. You have you have your singular character that is kind of the ignorant rube that's your stand-in that you're gonna explore and discover this world a bit. All that said, uh, leads us to our next. One last note on Akira is stuff like taking a bike yeah. and making that the future vehicle, you know, like like sort of giving it that little bit of futuristic sci-fi cool. Here's an interesting piece. Kind of an outgrowth of fashion. I'm, 
you know, the one thing I didn't look up before this this video was uh, when the Neuromancer novel came out, which is considered one of the, the proto-cyberpunk mm-hmm. novels. Uh, I think it might be in the 80s, even. I think it might be like 84. Oh, wow. Which, which would be fascinating because Akira comes out 82 and is serialized until 1990. So it's almost like it actually like bore fruit in comics before that. I mean, way before Akira... Uh, this is often cited as like you know the beginning of cyberpunk. This is 1977, Mobius and Dan O'Bannon. And it's actually 1976 and, and Mattel Erlon when when it first sees the light of day. So, and we have done a couple of videos on this. We yes. did one ourselves. What is it, Jimmy? The it, Long Tomorrow. Right, The Long Tomorrow. Again, written by Dan O'Bannon and uh, drawn by Mobius. And uh, we did another video where Jeff Darrow joins us and walks through this, yeah. you know, page by page. So I encourage everybody to check those out because this is one of those great comics, you know, regardless of cyberpunk or not, although there's no doubt that this is cyberpunk. This is practically cyberpunk 101. Right. Short and sweet. You know, I think the whole story is about 13 pages or 15 pages, something like that. But it really lays out these tropes. And the other element this has on its sleeve that you don't see as much in Akira is uh, attention to noir, like yeah, crime absolutely. fiction. And kind of that, often you'll get the jaded PI guy in the middle. You know, he's 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 not a hero. He's seen it all, and yet he's still appalled by by the world outside of his, his uh, apartment. Yeah, and think about uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is considered like a proto cyberpunk novel from the from the sixties. Philip K. Dick. That's where your Blade Runner comes from. You have your Decker uh, PI type guy going through this world where. Uh, some wild shit is going down. Yeah, identity is a big part, I think, too, especially with the idea of like cyberspace and like who are you in these two different worlds. Right. And you see it again, like right in the beginning here in Long Tomorrow, where the, the girl who hires our hero isn't a girl at all. Yes. If we wanted to cheat, say, like, okay, man, it's top five list, uh, you can only pick, pick five. Uh, if you wanted to cheat, you could say the works of Masamuni Shiro sure. would be. Uh, a contender that would be one of the five but if we had to zero in you go with ghost in the shell probably yeah and you talked about akira coming out in 82 and being sort of maybe ahead of the curve on this stuff yes ghost in the shell decades ahead of everything like it's amazing to me when do you know when it started 87 or something serialized in young magazine from 1989 to 1991 so so it kind of benefited from the juice that akira brought to young magazine and uh kodansha probably was like you know let's get some more of that it makes total sense to have this following and you know like a like a child of akira in a lot of ways but the tech in this stuff and the concepts that are explored this one is cyberpunk through and through to me because it's exploring those concepts of like what are the ramifications of this technology in the future and again with identity like who's even in control of some of these physical bodies right yeah hacking is a part of uh cyberpunk um which would be sort of like anti-authoritarian you have this rampant high-tech infrastructure and then you have the people that are pushing against it oh yeah don't trust anybody even people that you think are your allies may not be who you think they are all the time. The interesting, noteworthy thing about uh, the works of Masamune Shiro um, in connection with everything else that we are going to be looking at here today is that uh, these realized worlds that he puts together, he's not making it easy for you to uh, ride along. You don't really get your nubile doofus character who you learn everything about the world with, you're just dropped in. You are a fly on the wall 
in this fully realized world that's already going down and if you're lucky you might be able to hang your hat on a couple of new pieces of information but a comic like this begs rereading yeah definitely and you know human life is cheap in these things right you're also seeing the juxtaposition of super high tech next to like we'll go into a warehouse that's you know very old compared to what we're seeing on the sci-fi side of things so multiple worlds clashing yeah when it comes to the works of shiro also i feel like there might be just a couple of bits that you can pull out and it could could just be complete like literally like the definition of hard sci-fi uh but just the, the way his style his approach i think one of the other pieces that is required for good cyberpunk is something that's come up in conversation with you and i a, a kind of a lot lately since i've been back from japan but attitude mm. is is uh is a component there's got a, there's a hipness to cyberpunk i think that's part of the punk too the young yeah. you know looking at this stuff and even though we're looking at the future through kind of uh maybe a jaundiced view it's still very much that that youthful like expression of where does this lead what am i gonna i'm a kid now with this new technology but what's it gonna be like whenever i'm in when i'm an adult and yeah it's it's uh it is a little bit flexible you know yeah. like there's a postmodernism i think there that makes it a little bit hard to define at times because which elements of cyberpunk you hone in on are going to vary from book to book from story to story it's true now we've just looked at three different practical comics pen on pen and paper uh dealing with you know hardcore science fiction themes but i put it out to you jimmy like what would a cyberpunk comic look like the 80s is a part of cyberpunk to me it in a is. lot of ways uh what would a comic book look like if they abandoned the pen and paper approach still had the 80s vibe to it what would that comic be jim i'm so glad you asked ed because again we do have a video on it but shatter mike science one of my favorite comics for a million reasons and this is a black and white edition that planet lair uh, or planet ait put out and uh <laughs> Hey, man, don't discard Willie Mays like that. <laughs> um, this is a great addition, though, because it's black and white. And it's funny, the original comics, you know, the first computer comic, the colored analog, colored with, you know, the traditional methods. And it's funny, I say it's funny because color became the first mainstream application of digital, in, in, at least in Western comics. But here you see they get hold of a Mac and uh, let's make the entire comic on this Mac. There used to be these apps. Like, we were raised on those 1984... Uh, Apple Macintoshes because uh, this guy Billy Campbell went to went to school at uh, in at my school district and he was a very early Apple employee. He created Intuit and uh, his Big Willie man. So he adorned the uh, school system with these 1984 Macs that we were still using in 1994, by yeah, the right. way. And there were these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there were these cyberpunk in that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it would just be like you know plug and play clip art. Mm -hmm things that we can make your own comics so like it would all have this exact font as well yeah i have uh i have manuals for some of those some of those softwares because i think it's so interesting but if you look closely like this is the same story that we're seeing you know in in these other examples of cyberpunk where it's like the pi who has just seen it all and he's world weary and of course the people that hire him aren't on the up and up either so you have kind of this pi story but through the lens of how cutting edge can we be in the production of this thing? Yeah. And it's pretty interesting, this this edition, uh, not just for the content, but the backstory is like one an Apple employee found or an Adobe employee found a copy of this. I believe um the the publisher's wife may have been working at Adobe. 
And so when this book comes out and they, the her her coworkers see it, you're talking they, about from first comics, uh, the the original iteration. No, this version, this this new version, this black and white version, because this came out in the early two thousands. Whenever they see it, they buy the whole print run, a couple thousand copies, because it's so compelling. If you're working in this industry of like visual arts, but digital. This is really, really the beginning. Yeah, of, uh, certainly in the comic side of it. Look, he even uh, introduced the Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. How about that? <laughs> I thought that flipping through there too. Into the comic, also very noteworthy. Mike Saints is this bleeding edge guy uh, in the history of comics and comics uh, technology, where the computer is concerned. Did a couple of different uh, digital Marvel comics, and did he do DC? He's not Digital Justice. No, he didn't do Digital Justice, but he did the Iron Man graphic novel Crash, which yeah. I see po pop up now and then online. Color comic. Yeah, and early 3D stuff. Donna Matrix is, is really yeah. whenever he got squarely in my sights. And as he's developing, because that would have been into the 90s, as he's developing that technology, he ends up doing like CD-ROMs and basically adult video games right. with it. Uh, but it's cool to see. And I think this Back Matter is a prototype. I think this is the first comic they tried to make before before they sell Shudder and uh, actually get it published. And you see some out. notes on the bottom basically talking about buying their first Mac. And uh, Peter Gillis, the writer, when I say, you know, they, um, two of them working on this. I feel like uh, the, the built-in Mac font was uh, Zap Dingbats. <laughs> it looks like it, doesn't it? Yeah. But pretty, pretty wild, you know, like this is one that stylistically is also wearing that cyberpunk on its sleeve. You know, Ed, you mentioned um, something about Ghost in a Shell where it's like you're just dropped in, you know, sort of into the fast lane. Cold. And you've got to catch up on your own. I think that's an element of cyberpunk because a lot of it comes out of prose. And when you're reading about descriptions of, say, like, I don't know, the Internet, for lack of a better word for it, it's very abstract in yeah. prose, yeah. you know, so in your mind, like we probably all have very different ideas about like, what does this space look like that they're describing? If you can create some of that confusion visually in a way you're, you're keeping with the literary theme of cyberpunk. It's true. That's, that's four of the top five. Four of the top five. Let's round it out, man. <laughs> Hard boiled. You know, when I said that Akira is almost like, like a lot of these books are almost like a shared world. Yes. Couldn't you imagine Hard Boiled happening in America almost concurrently with the events in Akira? Like <laughs> totally. this is also America and it's like weird post dystopian future. You got the high tech Jeff Darrow self portrait right there. This is one of the greatest images in my life. I think this is like one of the uh, pieces that like when Frank Miller saw it, he, he like had to rewrite the whole gimmick. I stared and stared and stared at these pages. Yes. Like this sequence just, I had never seen anything like it in my life ever. An I still haven't. An image like this is as cyberpunk as, as you can get, man. You got your pipes, you got your wire work, man. But then you have this like subterranean culture of hedonism. Oh yeah. Look it's, at the fashions. Internet porn in person combined with violence. Yeah, this is the whole show. Real Decker kind of character in Nixon. Giant discrepancy between your elite, you know, this, this fat elite versus like the guy, the people on the streets and in those sex performers and stuff. Yeah, that's another good piece of, of, of cyberpunk, certainly. And before, you know, Moore's law caught up to the, the everyman, uh, it was, there were dividing lines, man. Very few people could, could uh, afford a $6,000 computer and a, you know, $2,000 modem. Absolutely. So keeping a little Art Deco, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a vintage component to cyberpunk also where you reappropriate some 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 old school stuff 
even if it is just a trench coat you know you have your futuristic all this other stuff but then you you got your roots in the 20th century somewhere it's your it's your classic uh pulp hero you know wearing that trench coat and walking through the shadow shadowy alley alleys of uh the street you know the dirty streets that he's uh operating on i've been uh the impetus for this video man i, I sort of uh, modded a uh PlayStation Classic and added all kinds of games and things. I was playing Hideo Kojima's Snatcher, uh, which is like a graphic novel. Like it's barely a game. You're <laughs> you're following these characters do stuff, and you're just investigating like those you know point and click adventures. And it's all those tropes. It got me thinking about cyberpunk and cyberpunk's relation to comics and how it's just it's such a visual. Uh, it's such a visual genre. It's it's really fascinating that it was sort of at its height in literary fiction, you know, like like the novels and stuff really pushed it forward, but it's there's so much to look at when you find a good piece of cyberpunk artwork, comics, movies. Yeah, and another thing that Hard Boiled does, it continues that trend of the world, Yeah, you know, because parts of this do, like you talk about the trench coat, you know, parts of it do resemble 20th century or, or you know a very tactile experience yeah but you look at this and you look at the cars and it's like oh yeah we are in this other in this other world yeah and in a lot of ways man it's it's it feels more like a fake world with those cars and those designs than than a reality you know like we're kind of in that that cyberspace whenever you're reading hard-boiled like the big that. reveal we have a video <laughs> on uh, hard-boiled uh, on on the channel as well so that was our top five but we got some runners up absolutely uh one of my favorite characters is deathlock sure and uh it's it's funny because i've never connected with a deathlock story yeah exactly but it's this violent post-apocalyptic rich buckler is is your artist who is i think most associated i flagged a couple of images that i feel really look like the cyberpunk kind of ideal but i mean the story is our guy working on a weapon working on cutting edge technology for weapons doesn't even realize it's weapons and of course, what happens when he decides that he's going to be a whistleblower? He wakes up inside of the body of the cyborg that he's been working on. You know, so now you've got him with a running dialogue between his voice and the computer voice, and occasionally a third voice that comes in. It's trying to control him. You know, to me, it feels very much uh, in line with the themes of cyberpunk. Very early on, though, I think the first appearance is 1974. Look at Rich Buckler stretching too, man, doing some things. There's some cool art in here. He's finished in a few of these by Klaus Janssen, who sometimes does ink and color. Um, this one, I think, is four or five artists. This is towards the end, just kind of wrapping things up. But it still has these moments of, like, once again, you know, this idea of transferring your brain into the machine. I mean, that's Ghost in the Shell. Exactly. But a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of a different interpretation. A little bit less of that high-tech sci-fi future version. And whenever I start reading, this is early 90s now, Joe Jessica with just a killer cover. Look at that cover compared to uh, like your, I thought there's some some resemblance, right? We've got Deathlock pulling the gun out. A little bit of resemblance concept wise, but this is what it looks like 20 years later in comic book art. I bought this comic when I was so young, uh, probably a little after it came out because I got it on the secondhand market at this like little used bookstore. I When I read this thing, man, I believed. I felt, I, I, I really felt for our guy scott williams on inks and you'll see his very very precise you know it's it's the inks that we know scott williams for yeah very sharp inks but over uh is it jackson geis i think is your artist yes sir so you know a little bit of a different pencil line under there and the coloring's very strange must be a blue line color method looks for painted sure. occasionally a little bit of airbrush on some of the armored parts which uh i think 
pays off nicely. I was going to say, when you got the airbrush, man, you can't have Paul Mouse's name too far from uh, from the game. There you go. He was the guy doing the color and all those like Marvel Marvel cards and shit back in the day. And then uh, these were our number ones, man. When when we, when we were kids, it was like Dark Hawk number one, Deathlock number one, New Warriors. Note the wires, right? Oh, yeah. Gotta have wires if you're gonna if you're gonna do uh, Cyberpunk. Mike Manley inking over Dennis Cohen. Uh, I like both of those guys, but the uh, the last two covers that I brought of his, they're inked by Kent Williams. So it's Dennis Cohen with Kent Williams. Yes. And uh, you got you to pump your cells up. You know, you, you do your two-part guest star, and it was often Punisher or Wolverine at this time. Man, those guys, they would reunite on, I think it's called Fight for Tomorrow, a, a Vertigo book yeah. in the future. It even has a David Cho cover on one of the issues. But, man, it's such a different interpretation of Dennis Cohen pencils. Um, I really used to love that whenever you'd get, like, an, an expressive inker that would come on and you'd get to see a penciler you liked. Totally. Almost through a different set of, of uh, eyes. Let's round things out, man, with uh, a tried and true classic that could be uh, controversial to the channel, man. Uh, <laughs> you think? Weapon X. Uh, is it cyberpunk? With all the things that we laid out, is it cyberpunk? I'm, I'm very happy to, uh, to put it in this genre. But uh, maybe you have other uh, thoughts and theories. I don't know how you look at something like that and don't see it. Both pieces. Like, you got your, your dude at the home, like, with, like, a leaky sink. And... Even a little bit of neon in your background, neon signage. Yeah, it feels Blade Runner-ish. And then you got this element to it. Feels very cyberpunk to me. It's it's less on, uh, you know, it's more towards the Marvel in terms of science and things like that. You know, you're just kind of seeing things happen. It's It's not trying to you know, make an argument for how endomantium works or any of that kind of thing. But aesthetically, if it it's... Uh, it's body horror. That's for sure. Um, you know, it's that idea of science just changing and changing the low guy, right? You know, in this point, like, Logan has no control over what's happening to him. He, he is a victim of science, technology, possibly, you know, the Defense Department. Right. Who knows what? But, I mean, if this isn't cyberpunk, I don't know what cyberpunk <laughs> is. It's true. Here's the deal, though. Uh, I'm in a cyberpunk mood. And these are the first bunches of comics that came to mind, but these are the, the populist choices, I would imagine. So I'm putting it out to the kayfabe audience. What are your top cyberpunk comics? And you know uh, that we here at the uh, Cartoonist Kayfabe Labs are completely agnostic. Comics is comics. So if it's cool manga, if there's something uh, from the, the, the French realm of comic book making, let us know what it is, man. Put it in the comments. Uh, because once again, I am in that cyberpunk reading mood, and I'm looking for some new stuff. Yeah, you were talking French. I'll go one with Italian. Rank Xerox there is one is. that I considered, you know, because they peel his top off of his head and, and do Very some work much. on his brain. And the other one that I didn't think of until you just said, we're talking, Ed, Cybernary. Nick sure. Manabat's flip side of Death Blow. I love that comic, and I wish I would have thought of it. It would have been a great excuse to bring it on the channel, but... Yeah, I can't wait to see what other people recommend because it wouldn't surprise me if my favorite cy favorite cyberpunk comic isn't even represented here. Well, because it's a big genre. But check this out, man. Like uh, everything we talked about, we have other videos exploring, and uh, if I ooh a cyberpunk playlist is what I chance. hear. Well, like I'm gonna put those videos in the link below in the description below. But what I'm saying is. We should have a cybernary video. Absolutely. Good to go? Yes. Kayfabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. And uh, we have a Patreon out there. Uh, the King Kayfabers who are watching the live stream recording session of our uh, week's worth of videos are benefiting the most from uh, mitigating that Kayfabe effect. But if you participate in the Patreon, you're getting videos ahead of everybody. And, and if you participate at the highest level, you're getting all the videos. Jimmy, what do we have out there, man? My latest books, Hulk Grand Design in Comic Shops 222, 
pre-order that or reserve your copy now if you haven't already. I have seen it. I'm happy with it. You're going to love it. Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive, The Plain Janes, and coming soon, Street Angel, Princess of Poverty. Again, pre-order that one now, and you can join me on patreon.com slash jimrug, where you can see more of my comics in progress and download out-of-print zines and mini-comics. And I got one more, maybe, cyberpunk question. Judge Dredd? Absolutely. Absolutely. That crossed my mind uh, this morning, actually. Red Room Crypto Killers 1 is being solicited in previews uh, right now. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game. There's not going to be a, a Red Room trade paperback for Crypto Killers in 2023. So get your hands on uh, these Red Room comics. Give them a read. Let me know what you think. Support the comics. Uh, I have two trade paperbacks of Red Room out there in the wild right now. Each of these comics uh, is self-contained. So each of the trades has four complete stories. I have uh, the, the perennial Seller is uh, Hip Hop Family Tree, four volumes of that. It's a 10 year anniversary of Hip Hop Family Tree, so get check those comics out. X Men Grand Design, and uh, you might find the occasional WYSIWYG out there in the wild. Uh, support the books, keep these videos rocking. I have a link tree in the description below where you can get to all that stuff. What else do we have out there, Jimmy? Aeon Flux is a perfect psychedel psychedelic cyberpunk, and we've got a video with Peter Chung. That's We're going to have a good playlist out of this ad. Everybody else, Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, mugs, hats, fanny packs, and more at our spread shop. That link is also below this video. Great way to support the channel. Given those marching orders, we'll be on our way. Read more comics.